Now, please join me uh, on the back of your bulletins. I'm going to be reading from Psalm 100, verses 1 through 5. Psalm 100. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter the gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him, bless his name. For the Lord is good, his steadfast love endures forever, and his faithfulness to all generations. Please pray with me. Jesus, we love you today, and we thank you that you are faithful. Thank you that you love us, that you saved us, and that you've made an opportunity for us to worship you, to come before you and know you. I pray that today we would take that opportunity to be near to you, to listen to the words that you've given Brian to speak, and just make us sensitive to any words that you have for our heart as you guide us and just show us uh, what we can do to build your kingdom. Jesus, we love you and pray all these things in your name. Amen. Thanks for doing that. All right. Good morning, everyone. Invite you to uh, have your Bible open. We're going to take a short, just one week break from our series on prayer, and we are going to look at Psalms 100. When I was a kid, my mom used to make me memorize this and say it on Thanksgiving Day dinner in front of my family, and um, I didn't like it, right? As a kid, you're like, oh, I don't want to do this. But as you study it, it's, um, it's, it's a beautiful psalm. And let, let me begin this way, that I believe that it is possible to live your life with joy. And as I started thinking about that, uh, I know that Sunday mornings um, when we come together, I would say that it, in general, we're a pretty happy group. It's a nice place to come and, and be together with people. People tend to enjoy being here and um, being in the property and, and, and worshiping together. But I want to speak to you just for a moment, maybe uh, what's going through your mind on a Tuesday or Thursday night at 10 o'clock when, when you're not in a group like this and, and, and feelings of discouragement creep in or a lack of joy or lack of contentment that can creep into our life. I, I realized this week when I did a little bit of reading that some of the most profound and impactful writers um, really in the, in the history of, 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 of our time were quite cynical and, and, and quite dark and, and quite discouraging. But I think they tapped into some honesty about life, all right? Maybe, maybe this is familiar to you. This is Shakespeare and Macbeth. If I had to do life over again, I think I might be an English major because it's so interesting. Do we have any English majors here besides my wife? Oh, we got a couple? Okay, good. A few. Writers are able to touch our hearts, and Macbeth, or uh, Shakespeare, um, 
in his uh, writing here, and I'll be quoting Macbeth, he touches on something about just the cynicism of life. And let me just read it. It's, it's a short paragraph. It's not, it's not all that cheerful. It's kind of gloomy. But here's what Shakespeare writes. Tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow creeps in this petty pace from day to day to the last syllable of recorded time and, and all of our yesterdays have lightened fools the way to dusty death out, out, brief candle, life's but a walking shadow, a poor player that struts and frets his hour upon the stage, and then he is heard no more. It is a tale told by an idiot, full of sound and fury, signifying nothing. And it represents feelings that, that creep into our life sometimes, um, about the lack of joy in our life and, and lack of um, contentment and gratitude in the things that God wants to offer us. And what I want to propose to you um, this morning is that within all of us is a desire for joy, a, a spiritual desire, a spiritual hunger for satisfaction, for meaning, for contentment, for beauty, for our lives to, to be enjoyed. But our problem, our dilemma, is that we look for things of this world to do that. And I think that's one, one of the greatest challenges that we face. And, and we realize this as we get older. This is one of the advantages of getting older. You slowly begin to realize that the things of this world will not satisfy and when you're young, you look to things. When you are a young adult, you look to things like romance and adventure and marriage and kids and travel and all these things we do. We look for these things to bring satisfaction and joy and meaning to our lives. But as we get older, we realize that they don't. C.S. Lewis writes much more clearly than I would uh, about this. This is from Mere Christianity in his chapter called Joy. And it's on your bulletin if you want to follow along. And he talks about this. He says this, most people, if they had really learned to look into their own hearts, would know that they do want and want acutely something that cannot be had in this world. There are there are all sorts of things in this world that offer to give you, but they never quite keep their promise. The longings which arise in us when we first fall in love or first think of some foreign country or first take up some subject that excites us are longings which no marriage, no travel, no learning can really satisfy. I'm, now, I'm not now speaking of what would be ordinarily called an unsuccessful marriage or holidays or learned careers. I'm speaking of the best possible ones. Let's think about that. The best possible marriage, the best possible career, the best possible adventures. There was something we grasped at in that first moment of longing which just fades away in reality. I think everyone knows what I mean. The wife may be a good wife 
and the hotels and scenery may have been excellent, and chemistry may be a very interesting job, but something has evaded us. And so in this psalm, Psalms 100, it talks about joy. And it's, um, there's one word that is repeated 16 times, or a form of this word. And it is the word God. It is the word Yahweh. It is the word Elohim. There's a pronoun for God. And as we live our lives longing for joy and, and gratitude, um, it reminds us, this, this passage, this chapter reminds us that our deepest longings are satisfied in God alone. And that the tragedy of life that we are all tempted to search out. The temptation is to, to keep looking for things in life that will satisfy. That will bring something to your life at 11 p.m. on a Thursday night when you can't sleep. And the temptation is to keep searching for that thing. And this psalm reminds us that it is God alone that can provide joy for us. We live in a community, we live in a time where there is a massive amount of affluence. That prosperity, the levels of prosperity are uh, unheard of. We know that if you pay attention to the news, stock markets are at its highest. There has never been a time with such affluence. But there has never been a time equally where there has been as much anxiety and depression, and discouragement, and all these things. And I believe that as I think through life and what's valuable and what's, what's meaningful, it is a tragedy to live your entire life searching for things of this world to satisfy your heart and your desire when only God can do that. So let's look at this. We'll, we'll just work our way through this kind of kind of quickly and make some important observations about this, that, that it is possible to live with joy. That's a mind-blowing thing to me. I've just been thinking about that. that it's just, it is a po in the reality of the world that we live in, that God says it is possible to live with joy. So here is um, the breakdown. Just here's how I study it this week. There are groups of threes that we'll find in this passage. So we'll look at verses one and two, then verse four as a group, and then verse three and verse five. And this will make some sense as we go through it. So number one is this, is the invitation to enjoy God. There are imperatives that can be interpreted as commands and or invitations the theme or the cluster of this psalms has to do with the kingship of God. Psalms 93 through Psalms 100 all have this common theme of God being king. Psalms 100, though, focuses on the joy of living that out. So there are three commands. Number one is this. The first one is to make a joyful noise to the Lord all the earth. Just a worldwide call to make a joyful noise. It's an interesting Hebrew word. It's, it has even a connection of a battle cry. 
where in a time of battle, people would yell as a common bond of commitment for the mission. Men will do funny things when they have a common commitment. I was thinking through just this. I've never been a part of the military, but I have this foggy memory when I was a high school baseball player traveling on the bus for a couple hours to play in some cow pasture in the Olympic Peninsula. We, I remember us singing this song. It was an old camp song called Peanut Butter and Jelly. And it had something I remember about like crushing peanuts. And here are 16, 17, 18-year-old high school students kind of at the prime of thinking they're quite cool and tough singing this silly camp song. And it brought us together, this, this misfit of, of high school baseball players singing loudly and joyfully on a school bus about peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and crunching peanuts. It makes no sense. But here's the point of this. This is a, a joyful commitment, a joyful expression, a joyful noise to the Lord. The invitation is that that is how we are to live our lives. That's number one. Number two is we are to serve the Lord with gladness. Or the word is also translated to worship the Lord with gladness. It's a word of devotion, a time of worship, an invitation to devote your life to God. The third one is come. Come into his presence with singing. And one of the things that you would notice when you study the, um, the Hebrew in this, that there's a progression of intimacy here. Come into his presence with singing. That is entering into the presence of God, coming near to the face of God. These, these verses overflow with joyfulness and expressions of delight. And so the question we can ask just from verses 1 and 2 is this. Does your relationship with Jesus Christ produce a joyful life? One of the things that we notice when you look at the New Testament and you study the religious leaders is that the Pharisees were never joyful people. And this is one of the signs of an authentic living relationship with Jesus Christ that is quite different than religious external focuses where you just focus on external traditions or ex external behaviors. The psalmist is showing that these things, these emotions come from the heart. Does your relationship with Jesus make you glad? Does it bring joy to your life? The second little group of three then is found in verse four that says this, that we are to enter into his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Thankfulness is an interesting attitude to have. Gratitude, recognizing what God has done for us, that our hearts are filled with thankfulness and gratitude and into his courts with praise. And as we think about this, we ask the question, well, whose gates are these that we are entering? Are these God's gates, our gates? Whose gates are we passing through? 
Whose courts are we passing through? The psalmist said these are the, the gates and the courts of God. And it was through the work of Jesus Christ on the cross, the veil was torn that we can enter into his presence. We are to enter in, we are to give thanks, and we are to bless his name. This is an interesting thing to think through. How do we offer blessings to people? What does it mean if we were to pray for somebody to, to pray God's blessing to people? If we were to pray, to pray God's blessing for somebody, we're asking God to be aware of the circumstances that that person is going through. When you ask in prayer that God would bless somebody, you're saying, God, walk alongside this person. Live, live in awareness. Understand the struggles, the challenges, the temptations, the things they're walking through. And so when we say we want to bless God's name, we're saying we want to respond with joy to all of who God is. That we understand who God is, and we want to bring blessing to his name. So this psalm shows us that we can live with joy, that it is possible. But what is the grounds for that? On what basis can we be joyful people? What is it that gives us a foundation of joy? <clears throat> And this is, this is along the lines of more the why question. Why can we be joyful people? And again, three truths about God. Number one is this. Where is joy found? What is the source of it? What is the foundation of it? Of it? The joy is found in who God is. And number one, the psalmist says this. Know that the Lord, he is God. So if we're lacking joy, if we're starving for joy, the psalmist is pointing us to truths about who God is. And these words, know that the Lord, he is God, those are significant words. Those are not just words of, hey, I hope this helps. Let me just show you a couple places. I only looked in two places. Let me just show them to you really quickly about where these words are found in other places in the Bible. Number one is Deuteronomy chapter 29, verse 6. And it is Moses recalling back to the time of the wilderness. And it says this, You ate no bread and drank no wine, but God provided food for you so that you would know that he is the Lord your God. A time of miraculous provision. So the psalmist is saying this, Know this truth deeply, that the Lord, he is God, that Yahweh, he is Elohim. That means the supernatural provision that God will provide. It's, it shows up in another place, too, that's equally familiar, probably. 1 Kings chapter 18 is a story of Elijah and the prophets of Baal. And the Jewish people are... are contemplating rebellion and walking away from God. And Elijah proposes this contest. We know the story. And here's the prayer that Elijah prays in order to persuade people to follow God wholeheartedly. Here's the prayer. O Lord, answer me. 
Answer me so these people will know that you, O Lord, are God and that you have brought them back to yourself. Immediately, the fire of the Lord flashed down from heaven. And so this psalm, it reminds us that these words, knowing who God is, is a basis for joy in your life. The psalmist goes on. So that's truth number one. Truth number two is this. It is he who has made us and we are his. This has to do with a claim of ownership upon your life that you belong to the living God. And think about this. Something's going to happen in your life. Maybe it's today. Maybe it's the coming weeks that's going to create discouragement. That's going to create fear. It's going to create um, feelings of uncertainty. And I want to call you back to this psalm. God is the creator and you belong to him. And you can face things. You can live life with joy. You can live life with gratitude knowing that the supernatural, all-powerful God is for you, that you belong to him. That's truth number two. Truth number three from verse three is this, that we are the sheep of his pasture. This points to the reality of our vulnerability, that we need his protection. This points to the reality of sorrow and joy sometimes overlap. Jesus spoke about this regularly, that there are times in life when sorrow and joy cross over in life. It reminds us that we are often in a place of complete dependence upon God, that we need God to shepherd our souls, that we need his care, that we are more vulnerable than we realize, but that he promises to be there for us. So this piece of poetry is built on truths that God is sovereign, that he loves us and cares for us, that he is the shepherd of our souls. The second foundation for this joy is verse 5, the statement of truth about who God is. The psalmist writes this, for the Lord is good. What does that mean that God is good? Truth number two explains it, that his steadfast love endures forever. Truth number three explains it, and his faithfulness to all generations. One of the things that creates discouragement in our lives is feeling overwhelmed, feeling that there's no way forward, that we don't understand how to move forward in life that life seems, seems daunting, that there's just too many things happening. And we need to remember that God is faithful to you, that he is 100% dependable, that his love for you is steadfast. And this is what produces joy. This is what creates stability in our lives. This is what creates hope. This is what allows us to move forward joyfully in life. 
God's name is used over and over and over and over again in this Psalms. And I want to remind us that we need to lift our eyes up. That we need to be people who keep our eyes focused on the living God. That if we live our lives down low, focused on our problems, focused on ourselves, it will steal our joy. There's very little talk in this Psalms about ourselves and our problems and our situation. It's a reminder that joy comes from keeping our eyes focused on God. There are problems in life that are just too overwhelming that I don't have a solution for, that I don't have the answer to, but God does. And that we can live with joy knowing the truths about who God is. I began by reminding us that we all have a spiritual desire for joy, but we also have a natural tendency to keep looking for things to fill our lives. When you're a young adult, you look forward to marriage, then you look forward to children, then you look forward to careers, and you just keep looking for that next thing to satisfy you, and it just doesn't. One of the most common things we look for in our satisfaction is our finances, is our money. And I, I, wanna, I think I said this not too long ago, but I want to remind everyone just of the funny stories of life and that when our church started with just a few families and I think we had $3,000 or $4,000, a few thousand dollars in the bank and now we have a lot, lot more than that has not changed my happiness at all. I'm not a more happy person in any way because there's more money in the account. I love my wife, my children, um, our community. But if I ever get to the point where I put that weight upon my wife or my boys, our community, to fill that longing within my heart, it will lead to emptiness. Don't waste your life searching for joy and happiness in all of the wrong places. There was a song written by a woman, I believe her name was Peggy Lee, who was before my time. She sang it in 1969, a song about this. And she writes about Um, her father taking her to the circus. And she writes in the song, After the Circus, she said, is that all there is? And then she writes about romance in the song. And then she says, is that all there is? And it perfectly articulates our human dilemma that we keep looking for joy in all the wrong places. And the Bible shows us clearly that joy is available to us all when we know the truth about who God is. That his love for you is deeper and more real and more rich than we know. And that as you allow your mind, your brain to think through that, here's what it does. It begins to affect your emotions I'll finish with this. Look at the words that are filled with emotion. Joyful noise, serving the Lord with gladness, coming into his presence with singing, 
entering into his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise, bless his name. The Old Testament oozes with emotion and joy. It's an opportunity for us to rethink about how we live our lives. Knowing that challenges will come, sorrows will come, but by God's grace and by meditating on the truth of who God is, we can live with joy. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you would speak to us through this psalm. It's a psalm of gratitude, of joy, of enjoying you. We ask your spirit to help us to enjoy your presence and not be preoccupied with being busy with things to the degree that it steals our joy. We want to enjoy you. We want to know you more. And I pray that as we conclude in worship, that that would be the prayer of our hearts. We love you. In the name of Jesus, amen.